You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And joining us now to talk about all of the big developments that are happening in Ukraine is James J. Carafano. He is with the Heritage Foundation, Vice President for Foreign and Security Policy, also a great, great military strategist and a military guy himself. Um, James, thank you so much for being here on the show. Yeah, you know, I always like to start saying, by, by great to be with you, but when you listen to this foreign news from Ukraine, it's hard to say great about anything. It is. It is heartbreaking. And, and I'm so angry. You know, James, you and I have been at a a number of different events through the years on national security, world security. And that's why I I was so happy to have you on tonight, because your perspective, I think, is so important. And you understand uh, the geopolitics. You understand the region. You understand Poland and and some of these other countries that are so concerned. Um, What do you think, I guess, should happen tonight? We have Vice President Kamala Harris, who was over there, um, but it doesn't sound like that much headway happened. What What do you think needs to happen now for Ukraine? Well, I, look, clearly uh, the Russians are fighting without a plan. And, and we, we, I think we have pretty good evidence on, on what the plan was. They were going to come in. They were going to decapitate the government. They expected the military then wouldn't fight. It would be a, a rapid occupation. Uh, and they would be over before the world could really do anything. And then I, I think they just expected everybody to look the other way and go back to sleepwalking through history. So what happened, obviously, was they were unsuccessful. And uh, uh, the, the Ukrainians have mounted a, a very uh, stiff defense. And we're, we're now three weeks into a two-day war. And you know I think it's pretty uh, clear that as long as medical supplies and food and ammunition and weapons continue to flow into the Ukrainian military, they're going to be able to fight. And and taking the whole country will be extremely, extremely difficult for the Russians. Uh, You know, on the other hand, if the the Russians were able to do military advances to cut off the way that, you know, that that, that, uh, supplies are getting in, then I, then I think it would be very difficult for the Iranians, uh, for the uh, Ukrainians to continue to fight. That, that, but, you know, this is war. You know, when they say unleash the dogs of war, the problem with that is you, you don't know who the dogs are going to bite. So, it, you know, pre- predicting or saying exactly what's going to happen, well, it's kind of what people do on the ground really makes a difference. But the one thing that we absolutely know for sure is the Russians are literally making this up as they go along. And what their default seems to be is that, the same kind of tactics they use in places like Chechnya and that they supported Assad in Syria, which is just trying to level things in their path with firepower. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you, James, because, and again, everybody, we're talking to Vice President of the Heritage Foundation for Foreign and Security Policy, James J. Carafano. And, James, I was going to ask you, because we're seeing these just unbelievable graphic scenes, of course, of the leveling of that hospital. Uh, and you see women out there about to give birth that are getting carried off and blood all over from the bombing. They're also looking for bodies in the rubble. Um, and now there are also reports 
um, according, by the way, this is a Russian POW who was taken into captivity, is claiming that he was told to open fire on the civilian population in Kharkiv. Um, You know, and that was at the early part of the Russian invasion and also reports that the Russians defense ministry is essentially admitting that they had used lung busting thermobaric vacuum bombs. Um, I mean, you know, these are like brutal beyond, uh, you know, the consciousness of war. And there seems to be a question of, okay, is he a war criminal Putin? Is he not? Where do you stand on all this? Well, you know, on whether a specific act. Uh, is a war crime or not? Uh, I mean, you have to know the the whole context. And, and I look, I've been dealing with this for years in Iraq and Afghanistan. People would show you videos, and they would say this happened. They say this is a war crime. This is not a war crime. So, the, in war, if you're fighting a war consistent with the Geneva Conventions, which is which is the the, the metric by which people would decide if somebody has done an illegal act in the process of war because because these countries, including Russia, are signatory, signatories to these conventions. Um, the, the rule is, is you cannot intentionally attack an innocent. Right? So you, innocents can be killed and hurt and their property destroyed in the pursuance of legitimate military objectives and, and, and in the proportional use of force. So, so for example, somebody drops a bomb in a hospital is that a war crime? Well, it, it it depends. If they were intentionally bombing a hospital and they knew it was a hospital, that's a war crime. And so this is why there's going to have to be, a, you know, some level of investigation to not just determine, you know, what happened, but the facts behind, you know, who did it and why. That'll bring in um, information that's gathered during a conflict by the intelligence community, because you better believe that. Even if that, even if nobody's a party to the conflict, that we're collecting signal intelligence and other intelligence, and so are other governments. And I, I know for a fact that 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 the, um, the, the European Union has a committee that's already you know collecting evidence on this. Um, and then after the fact, they'll they'll be interviewing uh, prisoners of war and you know and maybe combatants and other people, and uh, and they'll and, and they'll document it, and then then we'll see. But, but clearly, the Russians are doing the kinds of things they did in places like Chechia, Chechnya and, uh, and Syria, and there were war crimes committed. So I will, I'll be the last person shocked to find out that, uh, that, that these, in these operations, they didn't intentionally target civilians. Yeah, and also, you know, the thing is, too, they said it's been over 18 hospitals. So you have to either believe that they're really bad shots, you know, um, or is it, you know, uh, that it's, what, all coincidence that it was that many uh, bad locations. That's the point. There's been so many of these multiple attacks. The other thing I wanted to ask you, too, um, James, is what about also these reports where they are looking, and even Jen Psaki said today, that, yeah, Russia has used biological weapons, as you talked about, you know, as, as they've done in the past and, you know, Chechen, Aleppo, you know, um, and so we need to be on the alert. It is a serious concern so much that the White House is publicly saying, yeah, we're keeping an eye on this. So, so I mean, so chemical weapons were used in Syria. I, I don't know if there's a documented case where where they've used biological weapons in combat. They, they, they have used um, chemical weapons. Not just in combat, but in assassination attempts 
And, and of course, we know that the, the Soviet Union routinely violated the Biological Weapons Convention, and they developed these weapons. So I think the, the, the two primary concerns here are, we talk about weapons of mass destruction, is one is the use of chemical weapons, and the other is the use of tactical nuclear weapons. And I'm not here to scare anybody. I mean, the reality is, in, in Russian doctrine, it says if you are pursuing a military objective and you can't get there, it is okay to use chemical and, and, uh, and nuclear weapons to clear your path. And they train that, and that's what's in their doctrine. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do that. We, I don't think there's been any publicly released intelligence that says that they've deployed that they have these weapons deployed and ready. Right, to use right, them. and we but, haven't heard that either. Exactly. But, but they've used them in the past, and and, and Putin has been incredibly aggressive. And so, you know, my one rule is never think an enemy's course of action is unthinkable just because you don't want to think about it. So. Now, do you believe that's why maybe this administration has been, you know, very kind of like walking on eggshells because of that and some other concerns, or is it just the style of this administration? No, I, I think it's just the style of this administration. I think that the MIGs are a good example. You know, so, so for this, for the, for this defense department to say, well, we don't want to see, you know, countries, you know, give or sell uh, uh, aircraft to Ukrainians because that might be seen as escalatory by the Russians. I mean, this is laughable. I mean, the Russians—they're invading a country. Do you think they really care about escalation? And and the reality is, is you know, the the rules are the rules. If you're supplying equipment to a combatant, you are not a combatant. You know, you know for years in the Vietnam War, the Chinese and the the Soviets gave all kinds of military stuff to the North Vietnamese. We we never declared them a combatant. But that's, that's the way it works. And, and whether you give somebody a javelin or a, or a stinger missile or you give them a combat aircraft, it, you're just you're just g- giving or selling or lending them military equipment. I, I The whole way it was done by this government where it was clear that people weren't even talking to people and then you know, we're throwing allies under the bus by – I mean it's just – it was just a complete amateur hour. The whole thing was ridiculous. And um, you know, as long as the Ukrainians have airfields – uh, which they do, and they can defend them, which they have been, and they can conduct air operations, which they've been doing. Um, I, I think those aircraft would have been useful. Yeah, I agree, and especially when you think about that that long convoy that's still out there. Think about if they had, you know, great air power to be able to attack it and do a whole bunch of things. Um, James Carafano, love you being on, and really appreciate you being on uh, the vice president for foreign and security policy at Heritage Foundation. Thanks so much, James. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com. 